Our passage for consideration this morning is Luke chapter 3, verses 21 through 38. As you turn there, really we'll be focusing on verses 23 through 38, but I'm backing up a little bit to some of what we read last week to give us context and lead us in uh, to this morning's text. We're looking at the genealogy of Jesus Christ. I pray that as I read these words, which are primarily formed of names, that though they may be unfamiliar and distant, and we may be tempted to disengage for a few minutes, that the Holy God, by His Holy Spirit, has preserved these words for the edification of His church. So let us attend by the Spirit's help to the Lord's Word together now. Luke three twenty one. Through 38. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice from heaven came, saying, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. Jesus, when he began his ministry, was about 30 years of age, being the son, as was supposed, of Joseph the son of Heli, the son of Maphet, the son of Levi, the son of Melchi, the son of Jani, the son of Joseph, the son of Mattathias, the son of Amos, the son of Nahum, the son of Esli, the son of Nagai, the son of Maath, the son of Mattathias, the son of Semeon, the son of Josek, the son of Jodah, the son of Joanan, the son of Resa, the son of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the son of Neri, the son of Melchi, the son of Adi, the son of Kosem, the son of Elmadam, the son of Er, the son of Joshua, the son of Eliezer, the son of Jorim, the son of Mathat, the son of Levi, the son of Simeon, the son of Judah, the son of Joseph, the son of Jonam, the son of Eliakim, the son of Melia, the son of Mena, the son of Manatha, the son of Nathan, the son of David, the son of Jesse, the son of Obed, the son of Boaz, the son of Selah, the son of Nashon, the son of Abinadab, the son of Admin, the son of Arni, the son of Hezron, the son of Perez, the son of Judah, the son of Jacob the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, the son of Terah, the son of Nahor, the son of Sarag, the son of Reu, the son of Peleg, the son of Eber, the son of Shelah, the son of Kainan, the son of Arphaxad, the son of Shem, the son of Noah, the son of Lamech, the son of Methuselah, the son of Enoch, the son of Jared, the son of Mahalalel, the son of Canaan, the son of Enos, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. It seemed a bit unusually quiet as I read scripture this morning. I don't know if you were particularly attentive 
or just waiting to see how many times I tripped up. As you know, when you've been assigned a text to read, and I don't give you fair warning about how to pronounce things. We're thankful that even when I do not know how to pronounce all the names, especially as they would have liked them to be pronounced, that the Lord knows these his people, and through his providence has worked so that we would receive this his word today for the help of his people. Let me pray again that the Lord would bless us in this time. Lord, this is your word preserved by your providence for the blessing and instruction of your people. Bless and instruct us this morning. Give me by your spirit the words you have for your people. Instruct your people, including myself, in your truth. And would we go out as worshipers of you. And in all the ways that I fall short, Lord, would you cover. And would all that falls short be quickly forgotten. This we pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, looking at one's family tree can often reveal all sorts of surprises. Things we didn't know about ourselves and the people that came before us. And because of that interest and that drama and surprise, there's a pretty popular PBS show called Finding Your Roots, where rock stars and pop icons and Hollywood actors have found out all kinds of things about themselves. Some have been surprised to find out that their ancestors were slaves and others that their ancestors were slaveholders. Some have found out that their name is not really their name. Sammy Hagar is not really a Hagar. Carrie Washington's father is not her biological father. Bob Odenkirk is related to our present, not our, but to the present King Charles. And yes, Larry David, the actor, does such a good job of playing Bernie Sanders on SNL skits because they are, in fact, cousins that didn't know it. But aside from the personal surprises, I want us to consider the surprise of such an undertaking by these men and women. Because celebrities and the rich and famous, particularly Hollywood actors, they're a canvas upon which we project our cultural expectations and aspirations. And as they put on personas and wear costumes and affect accents, they get to be whoever they want to be. And with the adulation of the crowds for their performances, we award them with honor, with fame, with riches, and status. They exhibit the ethos of the age. You can be whoever you want to be. You are who you say you are. And yet, with that message circularizing in the culture, seeming to be everywhere in advertising, in movies, in books, for all that these men and women attain, for all their conception of being self-made stars, there seems to be a yearning to connect to the past. An implicit acquiescence to the reality that they are not their own. But they are shaped by, we are shaped by where we come from, who has gone before. That no branch, no fruit of a family tree stands on its own. Who we are and how we understand ourselves and our place in this world is shaped by our family line, 
by our ancestry, those who have gone before us for better and for worse. And if our individualistic culture still senses this, how much more so those who took more seriously family, community, heritage, and lineage? And so we must understand that this is not just a historical retelling, that this genealogical list with regard to Jesus says something about Jesus to him and to us this morning. That while the names are unfamiliar and the number of names a bit overwhelming, there is something identifiable in a genealogy such as Jesus's. That where we come from says something about who we are. And so this morning we're going to look at what the genealogy says about Jesus. And as we find that sandwiched in between Jesus' baptism and his temptation in the wilderness, we're going to see what it says not only about who he is, but what he's come to do. And in looking at the genealogy, we're also going to find out things about God and about us. Now before I begin to unpack what some of those things are, let me just acknowledge uh, that the things I'm going to say about Jesus' genealogy are the things that I can confidently say according to Scripture. Uh, There are probably things that Luke, by the Spirit, intended to say that for reasons of history and time escape us. And and this has been fodder for all kinds of academic debate because if you read this genealogy and then you flip over to Matthew's genealogy, they're very different. They're different in order. Uh, This works back from Jesus as the other one moves forward towards Jesus. But then there are different number of names. There are far more names in Luke's genealogy than Matthew's. And especially when you get to the period after David, a lot of the names that one would expect to be the same are different. There's multiple explanations. One is tracing more the line of Mary, one Joseph. One is trying to point to his royal lineage as opposed to his biological lineage. Others may speak to being family members that are adopted in or through leveret marriage. I can't speak to those things any more so than those with better training and better academic credentials can. But I can say what scripture points to clearly. And so as we attend to scripture, let's consider what Jesus' genealogy says about the Lord, says about Jesus, and says about us. First, this genealogy speaks about God. We're going to look at this in a few more minutes, but it starts by showing us God's faithfulness to his promises. In this list are numerous recipients and heirs to promise. Adam, who was promised that there would be a descendant in his line that would crush the head of Satan. Noah, who received covenant promises upon deliverance through the flood. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, and more. Jesus comes as the fulfillment of God's promises. God keeps his word. It seems simple. This is just a list of names. But as people have been waiting, as they have retold these promises over and over again, we are reminded that in history, according to God's providence, He keeps His promises. 
And the genealogy also says something about how God keeps his promises. How he is faithful to his word, keeping his covenant faithfulness. The Lord works through earthly, often unknown, and broken means. It's very clear that Jesus has an earthly lineage. His birth in fulfillment of promises came about as God's work through very earthly and mundane means. In this passage are represented generation upon generation, cycle upon cycle of marriage, birth, child raising and child launching, family expansion, working in the fields, tending the flocks, plantings, harvestings, illnesses, injuries, and eventual deaths. And while we know of miraculous occurrences in the lives of some of these individuals, most of them lived very human, very normal, mundane lives. And yet, according to God's will, according to his plan, his sovereign control and power, Jesus is born out of this very earthly, normal line. Paul was told as he struggled that God's power is made perfect in our weakness. Certainly this insight from the Lord is true for us individually. But it's also true for churches, for communities, for generation upon generation of families that though we are not strong, though we are not powerful, that God's covenant faithfulness and supernatural salvation can be worked through the very normal and earthly men and women. And so it's not surprising then that God often works through the unknown. Part of the difficulty with comparing Matthew and Luke's genealogies is that so few of the people listed, particularly in Luke's, don't show up anywhere else in Scripture. Names like Esli, Joda, Resa, and so many others are unknown outside of Luke 3. Their only claim to fame is that their names are preserved in this list in Luke 3. That's it. Just as God used them for his plan in their earthly normality, God uses them despite their anonymity. We don't have to know how we matter to God's plan to be used for God's plan. The Esli, Joda, and Resa, and so many more who are unknown to history apart from Luke 3, whose deeds and lives, failures and accomplishments are not recorded elsewhere in Scripture, do they need to know that in order to be used of the Lord? No. We don't have to know how we matter to God's plan to be used for God's plan. Lastly, God uses broken, sinful people. Now, in some ways, Matthew's genealogy may highlight this more starkly with some of those he chooses to include in his list. But of those that we recognize in Luke's uh, genealogy here, the names that stand out to us, we know some things about these men. We know of Noah's drunkenness and the shame it brought upon the family after they escaped from the flood. 
We know of Abraham and how he misled and lied about his wife Sarah, bringing danger upon them and others. We know of Jacob and the lies he told as he sought to wrest the covenant blessing for himself. We know how Judah sinned against Tamar and then later was involved in the selling of his brother Joseph into slavery. We know that the great King David, for all that the Lord used him to do, sinned horrendously against Bathsheba and Uriah. These are maybe the low points the biggest skeletons in the family closet, but they share something with the rest of the family line because the family line is traced back to Adam. All of those represented in this line are sinners, living under the corruption of the fall, unable in their strength to do anything pleasing to God. And yet through this line, through God's providence, God was able to work redemption. God was able to fulfill promises to redeem his people. He brought people out of captivity, bringing them to the promised land. He established a kingship. He brought people back out of exile as he promised. And above all else, from that line and within that family tree, he brought Christ into the world. The power of God to fulfill his promises often works in spite of, but often through, earthly, unknown, and broken people like you and me. This should not cause us to exalt ourselves, nor should it cause us to excuse ourselves, but rather to wonder and to worship at how faithful and powerful God is when we consider our family line, when we consider our history of disobedience, when we consider how unimportant we are in the eyes of the world, that God would use us. Jesus and his family history remind us of the powerful, faithful working of God in history for his purposes unto his glory and our good. And this family line, as it's meant to do, also says many things about Jesus. In verse 23, as Luke starts this section introducing Jesus' ministry, and he says Jesus' ministry is about to begin as Jesus begins his ministry and then immediately pivots to his genealogy. Well, because often genealogies, genealogies establish the fact that someone has a right to that ministry. In, in the Old Testament, there is a priestly line. Many of the prophets served under other prophets were, if not born from their families, in an educational lineage of them. And certainly there is the family line of the kings. Genealogy often shows qualifications, pointing to inheritances or expectations for a family coming to fruition. But before he gets into that, Luke mentions Jesus' age. He says Jesus was about 30 years old. This was the age of maturity, the point at which a man would come into the office that he was prepared for. It's interesting that when you search for the number 30, when it applies to age in the Old Testament, there are some significant things that happen. Joseph was 30 
when he became steward under Pharaoh to save the people from the oncoming famine. Numbers 4 said that the age of service in the priesthood started at age 30. 2 Samuel 5.4 records for us that David was 30 when he began to reign. When we open Ezekiel 1.1, it's in the 30th year, most likely referring to his age, when Ezekiel is given his prophetic vision. Luke is inviting us to ask, what role will Jesus play? And as the rest of the gospel account will make it clear, it is all of these. He will reveal the word of God in power as a prophet greater than all the rest. A king who will rule his people in perfect justice and righteousness. A priest who will offer the perfect sacrifice of himself, requiring no sacrifice for himself because he is without sin. A rescuer of his people. He's not just an example of these roles. He's not just another iteration of these offices, but he is the fullest sense of all that these things were meant to be. Prophet, priest, king, without equal. Perhaps this is why the genealogy goes in the reverse of what was normal in that day and age. Because while most genealogies ask, where did I come from to prove that I matter? And certainly Jesus' lineage in part points to that. By starting with Jesus, it shows us where the line was always going. Because Jesus is the fulfillment of the expectations of God's people, the ultimate fruit of the family tree. Because Jesus is the promised son of David that will sit on the throne forever. It is Jesus who fulfills God's covenant promise to Abraham. In you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. I will bless you to make you a blessing. He is the promised child of Adam and Eve raised to crush the head of the serpent. But not only is he a son of Adam, he is the second Adam. Adam is described at the very end of this genealogy as the son of God, which is not an indicator of divinity, but the special relationship of the one created directly by God with no earthly forerunner. But just before this section, the voice from heaven declares to Jesus in the hearing of others, you are my beloved son. And in the coming passage, the devil's temptation starts with, if you are the son of God. Jesus is presented here as the second Adam in whom the Father is well pleased. And we are set up to see how when Adam failed, when tempted by the evil one, Jesus did not. This genealogy, this storyline, this family tree points to how Jesus is the perfect prophet, priest, king, and savior. The realization of all those offices and what they were meant to be, but even more than that, the realization of all that humanity was meant to be. The one who perfectly bore the image of God, who perfectly exhibited dominion 
for the glory of God. In full love and full obedience, he is the fulfillment and hope for all humanity. We are often looking for heroes or celebrities or politicians or musicians or so many others to help us know what it is to be fully human. To stand up for justice with courage, to know and speak the truth, to love others, to value beauty. Particularly as teenagers, as we think about what we want when we grow up, when we were young, we used to put posters on the walls. Maybe now it's just stickers or backgrounds on your phones. But because we want to know what we want to be and what we want to be like. And yet, whatever it is you are looking to be, whatever it is you have desired out of a sense of what it is to be human, Jesus has fulfilled that. He is all that humanity was meant to be. And so when that person you admire ends up being a fake, when you realize that no warrior for justice is sufficient to right every wrong, when no politician is perfectly spotless, when no earthly hero is without kryptonite, you don't have to despair. They were not meant to fulfill the hopes and dreams of what it is to be human. Jesus came to do that. There is one who has not, who does not, and will not let you down. And it's Jesus. Lastly, this says something about us. Jesus' life, who he is, is good news for all people. For all of us who would look to him in faith. There is no one for whom Jesus' fulfillment is not applicable. Who Jesus is and what he came to do is for all people. The genealogy of Jesus, we notice, doesn't go all the way back to Jacob, who is called Israel. Doesn't even go all the way back to Abram, who is the start of the line of God's people as the patriarch. Doesn't go to Noah, who restarted as the righteous family after the flood. He takes it back all the way to Adam, the first man from whom we all derive our earthly lineage. As Jesus fulfills all that a son of Adam is to be, he offers that fulfillment to all people. That while the fulfillment came through the people of Israel with particular covenant promises fulfilled in and for them and through them, in Jesus we are invited into that fulfillment. Jesus isn't just good news for David and for Judah, for Jacob, for Abraham. He is good news for Jennifer Smith for Omar Hassan, for Gita Singh, for Gerald McDougall, for Maria Rodriguez, and Chen Wei. But not just for all humanity in its geographic and ethnic diversity, but every type of person, famous and unknown, weak and strong. Even as the apostles had not yet realized the good news that Jesus had come as the Savior to the Gentiles, Peter's first sermon preached at Pentecost, he declared that Jesus was the fulfillment of the promise that, quote, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that the promise of salvation in Jesus was for you, your children, and all that are far off. He is the hope of all humanity. But listen to that close. He is the hope 
for all humanity. That is inclusive and exclusive. It is inclusive in the sense that no type of person is excluded. No ethnicity, no geography, no wealth or status or class. But it is exclusive in that there is no other way. No other one whom the Father says, I am well pleased. Who resists the temptations of Satan, who offers his life as a perfect sacrifice for the sins of the world. The perfect son of Adam, the perfect son of God, is the only hope for all peoples. And if your hope is in him, then you are brought into a new hope because you are brought into a new family. Through faith, you are born in Christ into a new family, an heir by the Spirit, which means that Jesus overcomes every family curse, every family skeleton in the closet of his earthly lineage, so he does for you. The shame of your past, the cycles of pain and harm in your family can be broken as you find who you are in Jesus and what he has done for you. The promise is fulfilled, whose rich rewards he offers you. So that whatever your family line, as God the Father looks on you, as your faith is in Christ, he says of you what he says of Jesus, this is my beloved child with whom I am well pleased. Instead of being an heir to sin, corruption, and death, you become an heir of righteousness, love, justice, resurrection, and eternal life. From time to time, you will run into people that maybe think that Jesus' name, Jesus' last name is Christ. We say it all the time, right? Jesus Christ. And if you're one of those people, there's no shame if you, if you haven't been corrected in that. But Christ was a title. It wasn't his last name or family name. It meant that he was the anointed one. But while Jesus doesn't have the last name of Christ, when we call ourselves Christians, we are reminded that we bear the name of Jesus and all he did and all he said. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. God, by his divine providence, brought about the miraculous birth of Christ into a line of earthly, often obscure, and absolutely sinful and broken people so that in Jesus we could find the fullness of all that humanity was meant to be and receive from Jesus all that is his rightfully as the Son of God. As you ask the question, who am I? Who am I meant to be? Where did I come from? Who can I be? May you find all those answers in Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for that the truth of all that Jesus has done is true for us in him. We, your children, walk in faith, receiving your manifold blessings to your glory. Amen.